so Mr. Justin Barr, when you think about the sense of the sacred, how do we lose it? What are some of the things we lost along the way and how do we recover it? What are some of the things that come to mind for you immediately on this subject? Well, I guess for me on this question of the say, uh, how do we lose the sacred? Um, and I, uh, it comes like this one kind of big point of mine is that we've lost the sense of the sacred by the sacred itself, but also the ground for the sacred being hollowed out over time in our culture and society and how we think. And and again, there's a number of different things that have participated in what I call this hollowing out of this of the sacred and, and the ground for sacred. Uh, but I just want to just talk about just three three points, three three of these kind of three factors that led to it. But but first like what I mean by I kind of want to explain a little bit more about the ground for sacred. We understand what the sacred is. But there's, but I would also add that in the concept of, of in our thinking of the sacred, we'd also need to con- consider well, the, this ground for the sacred. And what I mean by that is the conditions by which we can recognize the sacred and experience the sacred in our world, in our day-to-day concrete lives, and how we think in, in, in the world. And, and what I mean by how we think, it's not just like, oh, ivory tower what professors like deep thinkers think but what the average ordinary person thinks ha- thinks about the world and how and and, and and how he or she experiences the world through the lens of culture um and and and, and i think with that right there is that people have a sense of the sacred by what they encounter and and that but also it, it, that could be further, further developed or hindered by what they are exposed to by, and by what they encounter. And so, for example, somebody who goes like the church or raised in a religious household and goes to church every Sunday it, is given access to a lot of the ground of the sacred because they go to a place, they go to a place removed from the world and they are in, and they go in, and they encounter things like the Bible and 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 and. And in and, and the, and the sacred tradition, and they encounter things that teach them about the sacred, and, and give them a sense that God and the supernatural and things of this world are real things. They're real entities, real move, real agents in their lives. And, be, and once they have a sense of that, and they take that to heart, then they live as if those things are true, because it surrounds them. I mean, or if you like, it surrounds them and, and it gives them a, a a way of looking at the world and looking at the, how things are, um, and so that's what I mean by the ground of the sacred. I feel that over the like that's been hollowed out, and the process of this hollowing out and the losing of the sacred in general is not something that just happened in the last fifty years or so, but it's something that really has um, like um, is the development of like centuries of kind of thought, centuries of like philosophical thought, especially like dwindling down to like, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, kind of a, like dwindling down, uh, kind of watering through to, to the main culture and everything. But also, like I, I believe it's more of a gradual thing that's taking place over time. But the last, tw- the last uh, century has accelerated that process by which we are we are left with a profound sense of the lack of the sense of the sacred and a profound sense of the the, the hollowing out of the ground of the very grounded conditions by which we can recognize the sacred. So, like kind of putting it that way first to lay the ground in the context for the points, the three points I'm going to bring up. And again, just like I said, the points I bring up are not definitely not the um, the only points and and, and 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 even then when I list when I talk about them it's not even listing them in a in a in a hierarchy oh this is the main reason or or these are just some of the reasons and stuff and so people feel free to add and adapt to this but the first kind of point the first kind of symptom of this kind of hollowing out of this of the ground of sacred sacred is the unintended it was caused by the unintended 
bad side effect of the good progress of science popularized in society and culture. And so, again, the sciences and the pro progress of sciences and the, and the finding out and discovery about the natural world, those are good things. That's a good thing. In fact, it comes out of the Catholic tradition. Uh, in fact, I mean, like a lot of the religious, well, I was, a lot of the first kind of like systematic scientists were religious people, deeply religious people. Uh, and and that continue and that continue to be the case. We all the way to like uh, I mean people um, people like uh, like like that work at the uh, Vatican Observatory um, again, or like the formulator the formulator of the Big Bang Theory, Father George Lemaitre. And so again, science progress of science, good thing. But there is an unintended side effect of of this progress, like uh, of the of the the popularization, I should say. Uh, in the, of in society of the progress of science, uh, and it's a bad unintended side effect, in the sense that we've developed a mistaken attitude concerning the power of science. In the sense that science can answer, we've answered all all questions, including questions that are outside of the, of its scope. Science can't answer all questions; it can only deal with the questions that are pertinent to its scope. It'd be like trying to like uh like use sports analysis to try to talk about to try to analyze uh, try to talk about all no people's mental health or psychological problems or something like it's the like you're using two different like tools or two different like fields of study to answer like 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 different questions and stuff and so science can't answer the deeper philosophical questions and deeper metaphysical questions the deeper the deeper deep questions that we have about about morality and and being itself and how we ought to be in this world and 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 why questions of why we have why anything exists at all but of course and there is a mistaken attitude that we've developed especially in our culture of a of, of the power of the over and the over uh the over kind of evaluation of the power of science to answer all questions because you feel like oh if there's a question if question that we're talking about then we can use science to answer that question you know even things about okay why is there something rather than nothing or how did the universe kind of come to be like uh, uh come to be like uh in the sense that okay how did we how did the universe like come into existence and not okay how did the universe develop and everything naturally or something but or or, or like or, or questions of morality that tells us okay how to live the over kind of the overuse of science kind of leads to a, a a decrease of like the sense of the sacred by by again bringing everything down to the level of the material which is which we'll talk about a little bit more a little bit later but but moving on to like the second sub point of that the unintended bad side effect of the good progress of science has also been the delegitimate the delegitimization of metaphysical and religious thought that connects human thought to the things that are beyond the purely material and the pragmatic, and that and 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 the, and the things that ultimately lead us to God Himself, who is sacredness itself. Because uh, once you have this over kind of application of 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 of, of science, of, of the scientific method to things outside its scope, this over evaluation of the of the worth of science to try to tackle questions outside of its scope, then. Then, he, then the thought, then the thought pattern kind of comes about of like, okay, again, we don't, we don't need philosophy or theology or religion to help us answer these questions. Uh, all we need is science and stuff. And so, anytime people bring up, okay, a more like a metaphysical or philosophical point of view, that's kind of pushed off to the side as that's not really useful because science gives us all the answers. So, if science gives us all the answers. Then obviously that can lead to a delegitimization of other forms of of of, of human knowledge that can help us get to the truth, um, which includes again other 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 areas to help us get to the truth, which also help us to recognize the sacred in our lives, which is again the, like understanding metaphysical truths leads us to the leads us to understanding or help, helps us to kind of grasp the mystery of of things, the mystery of being itself. And and they ultimately lead us to God Himself, which again He is sacredness itself. 
Uh, a third kind of downside of the unintended by the bad, the unintended bad side effect is again a limiting of a scope, the limiting of the scope of human thought concerning the nature of the world and being itself to the level of the material, and that in what we call materialism, to which the thought is all there exists is the material, all that exists is matter, and and the only and, and the only so that's the like the like the if, if the if the uh hmm, trying to think of the right word but like but that's a a, a sense of okay a, like an ontology a materialistic ontology that stipulates that all that all that being is all that constitutes being is the material and matter and which also what what proceeds from that is a metaphys is a materialistic epistemology which is but epistemology tells us how how can we understand the truth? How can we come to truth? Truth claims, but like, but if that if that is kind of if that is affected by a sense of materialism, then you would have the perspective that since the only thing that exists, the only thing that exists is matter and the physical, therefore the only forms of explanation that we can possibly have for any phenomenon in the world. Is also material causes. It material material causes, uh, whether it's primary causes or secondary causes, uh, it's only the material. But if things are, but if all that exists is matter and the material, then that that limits that limits things to that limits um, our scope. That limits things to things that we can comprehend with the mind. And if we can comprehend all things with the mind using the scientific method, then there's no mystery to anything. We and 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 there's consequences to think there's consequences to having this perspective that we can just again um understand and comprehend and use every everything in the material world. Um uh because it's all material and 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 it's gonna and, and we're gonna talk about some of those kind of consequences there. The last unintended bad side effect is the disen what's been called the disenchantment of the world, like a, a like a disenchantment of the world in the sense that there is a, a a lack of sense of the deeper mystery concerning the nature of things and and the nature of being itself, and so but like disenchantment is is a way of thinking okay again demystifying the world like because. Uh, an example is like with the with the uh, an example of this kind of uh like of the thought that I've been kind of outlining with the with the progress of the sciences and the progress of answering questions about the universe and and at least material like the natural world then then that leads to what what I've kind of talked about what I've already kind of outli outlined is this demystification of the world and by de demystification. I don't mean like a a uh, like um, like superstition. I don't mean oh oh we should go back to a time when we thought that there was a god behind every rock. Like no, we should see things. We should understand the natural world as it is, of course. But the demystifying of the world is really the demysteriorizing the mystery of the world. Like like the loss of the sense of mystery, in the sense that by mystery I mean that. Not that we can't know things, we can't come to know things. Oh, it's a mystery or whatever. But but that we can't say enough about God's creation and about the human person. If we fully, if we, if if, if under this faulty mindset, we come, we use science to to overcome and and figure out everything there is about the universe, and and we limit things down to the material to material things, and there's nothing spiritual or supernatural, then we we've 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 conquered everything and we've we've conquered things into on an intellectual basis and there's no and we and there's only a limited things that you could say about about it and it's nothing that goes beyond it there's no underlining divine principle behind all things that in and of itself this divine principle is infinite and it's infinite and you can't say enough about god uh like and god has constructed the world that he has imbued his own sense of mystery mystery of himself in the world by, by ways of reflection and so um just as like you can't say enough about god 
once we bring in God in the world, we can't say enough about the world itself when, we, when we're having that same same conversation as God, because God's God's power and God's the reflection of God's beauty in the world is so wide, is so grand that we can't say enough about these things, and it continues to boggle the mind. I mean, like I mean, I learned in, even in, back in philosophy in seminary that I think Thomas Aquinas said said I believe it was Thomas Aquinas who said that. We, we can't even understand the essence of a fruit fly, let alone the essence of God. But, but a fruit fly is much less than God. But if we can't understand the essence of the nature fully, comprehend, comprehend fully the nature of even a fruit fly, then that's not, that's not a limit. Oh, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's saying, that's saying that like that, that God has created even a fruit fly with such the the greatest of majesty. Somehow, like that reflects a part of Him that we can look at the things of this world and just infinitely marvel at God's ability, God's beauty, and and majesty in creation that He has orchestrated and put in the world and stuff. And so, and if we and and if you move up the line of being, I mean, think about. Your family members think about your best friend. Do you really understand your best friend? Do you really understand your spouse? Fully comprehend your spouse? No, your spouse is a, like is is forever going to be a mystery to you. Like hopefully in a good way, in the sense that like there's always going to be something new you discover about the person you've been married 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and and even if you come down to the level of oneself, do we really even understand and comprehend our own selves? No. We don't. There's all we, we we there's always something we're discovering about ourselves. We we don't know ourselves totally, and so if if that's true for created being, think of how much this must be true for 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 the for the divine being and stuff. And so, but but to kind of but to kind of wrap up that that point right there, like the this unintended bad side effect of the good progress of science popularized in society and culture leads to a mistaken attitude concerning the power of science leads to a delegitimization of metaphysical and religious thought which allows us to which which assists us in going to the sacred it uh, it uh, it limits the scope of of human thought to the mere level of the material uh, uh, by by virtue of materialistic type of thought uh, and then it leads to a disenchantment of the world, um, and so like uh, and have a sense of sacred. So that's 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 the first kind of bit right there. Um, the next two are going to be a little bit more kind of streamlined. The other kind of um, the other way we've kind of hollowed out the sacred is, especially in the last, in the twentieth century, is with the like the the, the havoc, just the havoc of. Like the World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, all the wars of the past 20th century, and with the havoc of atheistic communism, of, of atheistic uh, communist states killing millions upon millions of people, and again in China and Russia, uh, like being the Soviet former Soviet Union, in which t like millions and millions of people were just slaughtered. The effect of that. And that has that right there. Even if you just hear about it, um, has an effect on how we are able to perceive the sacred. In this way, human once human life once human life is kind of disposed of in that way, human life is rendered destructible in mass to meet whatever political economic aim we have, and the result is that human life becomes mere casualties, mere, mere numbers. You think of, you, you can just look up the, like just go ahead and look up the statistic of how many people died in just one of those conflicts, like World War II, and on, on all sides. And you'll discover, like again, countless of, countless of different, like of numbers, like millions of people died. But of course, every one of those people that died was like, they're not insignificant. They're, they were made, and they were made in the image and likeness of God, and God had God knew that God had had well, they were before they existed in, in in the physical reality. They were thought in the mind of God. God knew every hair upon 
the hair of those millions of individual people who perished in even in just one conflict. But if we but but we don't get a sense of that if we just look in the history books and just um, look at the just the, the the number of casualties in the war. We don't understand because we don't see the individual lives of that. We don't see each individual person that were born as a little baby and then and then grew up and uh, and received some type of education, was raised in a family, and then they and then went off to war and and just to die in a war and stuff. And so we don't we don't fully grasp that by just looking at mere numbers, but the the effect of that afterwards, those con after those conflicts are done, the effect of that is that human life is rendered as just mere numbers. What's sacred in the sense of human life, one of the most things that 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 is in this world is rendered just one more number. Um connected to that is the destruction of human life along with the destruction of the gift of creation, like the use of creation in war to destroy one's fellow man. And so the gift of the gift of God's creation, which is a, a sacred thing that God has given us, is being used for the destruction of other sacred things, mainly human beings and even churches and other churches and stuff and other good buildings. Because of that, the world, the material world, and, and the resources of the world are all are, are as well used along with human life as casualties, as amounts, as for 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 people's political aims or or economic aims or whatever. And then you have like uh, it not connected to war, but still probably even more tragic. Really, is the abortion of is is the scourge of abortion, which the killing of millions and millions of unborn children across the world, even in this country alone, like since Rover between that time Roe versus Wade was the law. Again, I've always heard numbers of like sixty million un, unborn children being slaughtered and killed each like uh like in that in that time. But again, human life is sacred. But if human life can just be if human life, the sacredness of human life can be delegitimized and not called life if it could just it could not be called life at all and and dehumanized and and removed from its proper status which and the proper status of being human and is in that proper status the status of humanity the status is is the very context by which we are able to receive and understand our sacredness is by knowing what we really are but if but if that but if human life is delegitimized and not even counted as life and 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 just exterminated in the most sacred place humanly speaking the mother's womb then of course we're going to lose a sense of the sacred in that way um and then the last point the last overall point uh kind of touches home to again religious folks like me and you and people watching this program is that it is the mistreatment of the sacred by members of the religious status quo leading to a disillusionment with the sacred content that is handled by those members of the religious status quo. Me by that is that the scandalous and harmful actions of some religious leaders and people, the complacency of the favorite kind of or, or, or kind of privilege kind of status or in society that some religious institutions had the failure of in so the failure of different initiatives even well-intentioned initiatives that uh that was that sought to kind of again keep people in the fold of the church in, in people in in the fold of like biblical religion in that ended up looking like a reflection of the world and also the scandal of religious conflict between different groups uh in the modern period and after it modern period the post in the postmodern period to this, uh all these things has led to people be becoming disillusioned with the sacred by the bad actions of again people like myself again members of the religious status quo of institutional religion that and that the failure for us to do our job in handing on the sacred because once sacred people act unsacred, 
then how can people approach the sacred? Because again, like I mean, like it'd be like 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 kind of like a, a, a even a even worse form of like throwing the pearls to swine. Here you have the swine throwing the pearls that like the swine throwing i don't know like like throwing the the pearls themselves and stuff like that so um like and and so if people don't want to see the pearls they'll just see the swine it's like what what am i why am i getting fed by this pig and stuff what did this pig has to offer me and stuff and so all these things like i think these kind of three major things in addition to other stuff has led to a hollowing out of the sacred in the ground of the sacred, the unattended by the bad effect of the good progress of science, the the scourge of global untold levels of human bloodshed during the 20th century, and the mistreatment of the sacred by members of the religious status quo, leading to a disillusion with the sacred content that's possessed by the members of the religious status quo and stuff. And so overall, when the gifts of human life and creation I mean, gifts of human life and creation, they're they're gifts from God. And because they are gifts precisely precisely because they come from God and they're sacred because they come from God. And they, and and that whether we're talking about human life or creation, these things are meant to be sacraments, small as sacraments, for displaying God's presence and glory. And uh, once we lose the sense once we lose like a proper handling of these gifts of human life and these gifts of God's creation, the sense of sacred is lost. Also when God's gifts in terms of human beings and creation become mere fodder for sin and death and destruction and become casualties and mere resources for us to use, then the sense of sacred is lost because God has created us to understand and apprehend the sacred by the things that exist in the world uh, because we are embodied creatures. But once we, we lose the sense of the sacred of what God has created, then, then it's hard for us to kind of apprehend those things. And then lastly, when religious leaders fail to lead us in order to keep up, in order to keep the human eye and the human ear to the sacred, then the sense of the sacred is also subsequently lost. And so all of that together is how is again is this mere pieces probably of the pie of how we've lost the sense of the sacred and like the sin and the ground for the sacred and stuff. So if you were to put a timeline on this to help the student to understand um, where this demystification takes place, I think we can understand a little bit of the science piece. Uh, when when it starts to take place and the materialism, perhaps we can sort of get there. But the demystifying, where would you in a, in a timeline? Where would you put that? Uh, I mean, it's different people can play can make different arguments for where it begins and stuff, and, and like it's so. Um, it was it'd be hard for me to kind of give a, a, a like a. Like a full, a full exhausted timeline, and what I'll give is like maybe different point, different kind of events or phenomena in in history that kind of led to it, and then people, and then like, and then we can place kind of like the like the like these events in history because it's a gradual type of process, um, I, and there's different things that contributed to it. I think, um, um, like, I mean. If things go back to, I mean, um, I mean, one thing off my, off the top of my mind is maybe like the advent of a uh, philosophical nominalism by like uh, uh, like uh, William of Ockham, maybe, like in the sense that um, the like the the gradual kind of like uh, stepping away of metaphysical realism, um, on, again on a philosophical bent. Um, like so, when it comes to like nominalism, in the sense that things don't have like we can things in and of themselves don't necessarily carry within them the 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 essence of their own being. Instead, things are what they are by which by us like placing nom nomines to them in Latin or the different names and stuff from which you get nominalism, in the sense that okay, things are not what they are by the by their 
by their substantive construct. Things are, their, things are, are what they are by what we merely name them to be. Um, so like if things are what we merely name them to be, then that leads, then, then that can lead to us again, uh, placing any value on what, on the things that we see. It's, instead of respecting what's there, we can, we can put whatever we want to be there because we can, we, because things become, things are just what they are, what they are. And then also, um, um, and then, so that's another thing. So that's, that. so that's like in a medieval period. Uh, another thing you have is of course, uh, I mean, like the, like at least the ultimate effects of the turn of the subject to uh, in, in terms of, uh, of Cartesian thought to where like the, the turn of the subject away from kind of looking out into the world and perceiving the truth that's there to turning inward on the self in that first work, turning inward into the, into the subjective self and sense that, okay, the most real thing that we can get to before we talk about anything else is, is the, is, the, is the is the thinking self and so the i and so uh if you take away everything just like descartes did and only kind of think of like the thinking self as like the only is the thing i can only prove that i myself am thinking then that and that, that forms that is the like the uh the, the the groundwork for the like philosophical idealism which kind of gradually moved us away from a, like a metaphysics that's grounded in the real, um, and so that and again, that's taking that's taking place in the in the in like the like the in the in the modern period and stuff in like the 1500s, 1600s, uh, and then from that point on, the developments that come out of idealism to all the different philosophical thoughts from 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 like that period of like uh, the post, like the modern period of the 1500s, 1600s, all the way up into the, into the 20th century, you have successive modes of thought that, that when they trickle down into society, become some, become uh, ways by which we can lose the ground of the sacred. I mean, I mean, and so another thing would be um, um, the advent of like, um, uh, like Jean-Paul, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre's existentialism, um, like in which he thought like, like, um, obviously like, like, like the, the existentialism that, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, exalts would be an atheistic form. And, and so he would say that, 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 um, what's the, what's the formula, the, like, um, um, uh, I have to look at that, like something, uh, and, uh, I can't think of the formula that he used, but like, but man precedes essence or something like that. Like, uh, I can't think of it, but basically, but, but the basically, but the basic thought is this, is that, um, again, it kind of goes even, it kind of has roots back to the nominalism, like his, like, especially his book, existentialism is a humanism and that existence precedes essence. And what, and what that means is that existence preceding essence is that, what what is what is takes takes primary to any like nature any kind of essence that that may like it, any type of like thought about an essence so um for example like it, when god creates the world when, like creation from the perspective of god god has even before creation comes to be god has the idea the divine idea of what that thing is supposed to be, and once he has he has that idea about what that thing is supposed to be, he creates that thing in the world, and then that world is is attached to the idea of what that's supposed to be, what that ought to be, and stuff. Take human nature. Human nature is a specific thing that's tied to how God. It's tied to the divine ideal of what God has intended human nature to be. But if existence precedes essence, then we as human beings can define our own essence. So instead of adapting ourselves to how God has created the world, we create, we exist, and thus we create our own sense of the way things are, including human nature. All of, and so that has, and, and these types of thoughts has consequences. And so, and that's, and that's going, and then Jean-Paul, Jean-Paul Sartre takes us to the early, early to mid 20th century. 
So it, what I'm what I'm breaking all this to say that again to provide a way of like just different points in history gives us ideas that trickle down in time that have consequences for our own thought. I mean, for for how we do things, for human activity, including the human activity of how we treat and understand the sacred. Because if things, if, if we don't recognize that, like, like that, th- that God exists, that things come from God, and that we don't define those things how they are, but that God has, in that goodness itself, has has given us the blueprint for how things are. We don't follow that bl- blueprint, which 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 carries with it the, the sacred. Then, of course, we would lose the sense of of the sacred, the sense of the how we're supposed to treat things and how we're supposed to live and move and be in the world. Um, by 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 not following the blueprint of He who is sacred itself and and treating things with proper respect. And the proper dignity that's afforded to those things that's imbued by, by, by God, and most chiefly when we fail to recognize the the dignity God has imbued within creation itself as a gift, and most preeminently the dignity that's within our fellow human beings as icons of the of the Imago Dei, icons of God of God's image. We have the chief form of not, we, we, we have the chief form of dignity in this world as being image bearers of God. But once we and because of that, because we bear the image of he who made us, that dignity is tied to the way things ought to be, which gives us our sense of morality. And but once we lose the sense of lose these things, then we also lose the sense of the sacred. So again, that is going through just different points in history with different thought. For instance, going from like the medieval period to the to the modern period to the early 20th century, this kind of difference. So this is a very gradual process. Uh, but I would tie. But this last point, I would tie it to the gradual kind of rejection of metaphysical realism um, um, over the course of time, and any any adoption of basically different forms of philosophical idealism, um, and um, over, uh, over over the course of time. So when everything is hollowed out, the, the ground floor by which the sacred has a firm foundation, and especially I think the, the delegitimacy piece, I think when people think of some of the scandals, um, especially some of the grossest ones we saw in the early 2000s with teenagers and, and young children being harmed by a, a number, small number really, of, of priests, um, and, and clerics and religious, and uh, and throughout history, I think people have had critiques. Whether it was the um, some aspects of the Inquisition, some aspects of the Crusades, some aspects of uh, this or that, some things that happened in the church. So the the, the at least the appearance of the delegitimize uh, how the church delegitimizes its its authority. And we can even go to the French Revolution and the revolutions of the of eighteen hundreds, and just that whole piece and the the um, Avion popes, and just all all that together. How the church, how we as as a people and our leaders may uh, give the appearance of the church not having a moral authority. So that and with the Halloween out. So w- when the world comes to, especially in the United States and a lot of the West, when it comes to this idea that we have these rights, whether they're voting rights, the right to abortion, the right to um, euthanasia and and, uh, assisted suicide, all all these rights that we're coming up with that seem to be just antithetical to just what we're created to be as humans. When they come up these things, uh, Mr. Justin Farr, is that um are you saying that's just that's just going to happen naturally when the sacred that ground floor by which it has that firm foundation is hollowed out so if the if i understand correctly like the secular the modern secular understanding of rights and like the proliferation of different of different rights and everything that we have today is that a natural kind of response to the to the hollowing out of the sacred um, especially with the piece of where the moral authority of the church is 
not thought of is, you know, it's just delegitimized, as you say. It's, the world just doesn't think the church has that moral authority to influence culture and, and, and form our rights. I mean, I think the, uh, at least the formulation of the thoughts of rights um, in the mode that we have them today, and people, especially popular understanding of rights that 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 appear to be kind of like floaty kind of understanding. If you ask people, where do these rights ultimately come from? Uh, you may get answers like, well, like, I mean, like you may get a very different answer, like, oh, the state gives us the rights, or, or maybe like, or like, I don't know, it comes, comes to just being a human being, which again is truer, comes from being a virtual human being. But what, why? But why would it? But why would that matter? Why would being human matter in regards to rights? Why do we have rights that animals, like, uh, like other life, doesn't seem to kind of have? I mean, um, like, and so, I think, if anything, is kind of like a natural result from the hollowing out of the sacred, this loss of sense of God, it is a, a thinking, a, a sort of thinking about rights you may find, you may find today that, 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 that's, that understands rights in a, in a kind of divorced way from the ultimate principle, from, from, from something that ultimately supplies the reason for those rights. And, and, and that thing helps us to understand what is legitimate rights from, from not from, like a false understanding of, of, of the rights that we have um, is that, I mean, but really a secular understanding of rights really doesn't lead us anywhere at the end of the day. Just like, just like a secular understanding of morality doesn't lead us ultimately to anything in, at the end of the day, as far as like an ultimate explanation for why and how these rights exist, because these rights ultimately are linked to the good and if the good is not, as we understand it, rooted in goodness itself, then our understanding of rights is going to be deficient. It's going to be kind of this rights just kind of exist kind of there, like either it's floaty, it's just kind of there, and or and there's no kind of grounding. We just kind of we just everybody just kind of have them, or the state grants us the rights, or or or, or whatever, or like the or we, we just have them by virtue of human beings, or it's like who, like, like if it's not rooted ultimately in the objective truth and, and he and he he who is objective truth, then we're gonna, just like I said, end up with like a problematic, very, a problematic understanding of rights that leads us to like even taking away legitimate rights of other people. Um, um, uh, like, uh, because like if, it's, if the foundation is, is in something other than God, then ultimately, like, it's going to fail us at the end of the day. Uh, so I think, like, rights as we, uh, like, a secular understanding of rights that we have today, the understand that secular understanding of rights is a, is a natural result of the kind of hollowing out of the sacred. Because if we understand the world to be a sacred place and everything, and for us to be as sacred human, us to be sacred by virtue of being created in the image and likeness of God, then then that impacts how we view rights because our right if we understand as ourselves properly properly first as being made in the image and likeness of god then then that will give us an outlook as to what rights we actually have if we don't understand that then we have then we develop an understanding of rights that conflict with the will of god and the way god has created the world ergo so-called rights to abortion, which again go against God's creation, rights to gay marriage, which goes against the natural law and goes against um, what how God has created mar marriage to be, um, and, and so and so on and so forth. These things like like um, rights to say blasphemous things and and, and so on is like. Those th those things are not true rights because they don't they don't proceed from the good, they don't proceed from true freedom, and freedom is not doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is doing what you ought to do. Freedom is acting in accordance with what is proper to one's nature, uh, and so, and ultimately, in accordance with the truth. So that's that's what I would say to that.
And so, Mr. Chesford, this is our last question in this catechesis and instruction. Just would you be able to outline just like some quick points about how we can recover or, or um, regenerate, you know, as Catholics, how can we participate in the grace of God to regenerate that hollowing out? Yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate the question is good and I appreciate my time here. Um, yeah, I think, uh, again, the, like these kind of brief ways, again, not exhaustive by any means, but they're just there to kind of, that they're there to kind of help us stir the pot to lead us into this rest restoration of the sacred. I mean, first, we have to recognize that though we have lost the sense of the sacred, the sacred has never truly left us completely. It has always remained with us chiefly. The sacred has always remained with us chiefly in the most sacred thing that we possess in this world. And what is the most sacred thing that we have access to? that we are able to possess, like within our bodies, the Eucharist, God, Jesus, in every tabernacle of the world. Jesus as God in the Eucharist is sacredness itself. Like churches are sacred because, primarily because of one thing, the Eucharist and the offering up of the mass the summon, the source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, everything proceeds from that. And so that right there is the sacred. We still possess that. It is there. And God is not going to leave us. Therefore, the sacred is not going to leave us. But of course, even though the sacred objectively exists among us, we can subjectively miss out on how the reality of that. Um, and so that's numero uno uh and then we, we and then recognize that and contemplate and learn from the truth and the concrete reality of the presence of he who is sacred still present in the world in the tabernacle in the eucharist and in uh in this in, in this next point right here recognizing the sacred and god's sacred gifts of us as living icons of the sacred living icons and image of the image of god and the sacredness of the world as a gift from god um again and i and i think like again whatever you think about pope francis i think pope francis does a good job of of reiterating the holy father does a good job of reiterating the the, the goodness and the sacredness of of the environment and of like um of the, of the created world recognizing that the creative world is a gift from God that, that needs to be treated appropriately. It goes, goes, all, goes all the way back to Genesis and stuff. And that can be affirmed without any kind of like um, devolution into, into a, an environmentalist ideology or something like that. You don't need to be an, like a, an environmentalist I, I, ideologue to recognize that, again, the world and the world, God's creation is sacred and, and beautiful. Um, then we move on. Now we got the ideas right. Then we move on to the practical things we can do. First, we recognize. First, we we use the treasury of the sacred that's found in the church in terms of the sacramental sacraments and the sacramentals, and we use these things to bless the world in a recovery type of mode. Bless things and people. If you're clergy, bless any any time people come up to you for for like to bless something, bless it. Like bless people's houses, go free. I mean, like, like you got the power to bless things. I wish I had the power to bless things. I'd be blessing stuff and people all the time if I could and stuff. And so, like again, use the church's treasuries of the sacraments and sacramentals to bless the world and reclaim it for God. You got to sling that holy water all over it to repel, like the domain of Satan and recover it for the domain of God. Um, then teach people. To develop a sacramental vision of the world and being because you got to teach them how to recognize the signs of god in the world with with again with the bible and and sacred tradition the bible is filled with recognizing that okay the world is a reflection of the one who made it and the tradition follows that and and, and it's out of out of the out of the tradition that we that, that we even develop things like science to so once you recognize that oh 
an intelligent mind from like from divine revelation has created the world and has imbued it with beauty and intelligibility. Therefore, we can learn about it. We don't have to be afraid of afraid of it. And that it's a reflection of truth itself, and it's a form of truth that go along with the book of scripture, like uh, the the like the book of scripture and the book of nature helps us to, uh, to helps us to understand truth in the world. Um, and then recognize that, like in that, like even being itself, we keep talking about, it, is something that comes from the divine, and that, and that the Trinity has created being. The Trinity, like the Trinity itself. Well, put it this way: the Trinity itself, Father, Son, God is being itself before anything. Being existence itself is a is a dynamic reality of interpersonal relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so. God has imbued the Trinity, like the Trinitarian, Trinitarian reality of His essence, in the world, because the world itself is a product of that Trinitarian essence, and so recognizing that, uh, and then last, uh, and that's Trinitarian ontology, something we learned about in seminary, like uh, like this past spring, and then lastly, restoring a sense of the mystery over and against the the overexposed nature of of the internet and social media and today again social media internet good things good things we we use it we're using it right now so there's nothing so we don't need to condemn those things those are tools but an unintended side effect is that everything is shown everybody's got a smartphone everybody everything is shown on the internet from like all the way down to the human person in terms of the the terribleness of pornography and stuff like that like everything is shown everything is right there in your face ready to be consumed when everything is shown and ready to be consumed then that then the world then what's there is lost the sense of mystery uh, like because everything is shown in its full view then there's then that then not then there's no room for god's mystery in the world Mr. Justin Farr, thank you for this catechesis and instruction on returning to the sacred. All right, thank you.